Hi friends, welcome. This is it. We have over a decade of episodes unpacking stories and life to help you discover your purpose, your divine design, and what you are wired to do. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt. Please subscribe on YouTube or subscribe to Girlfriend It so we can be in it together. All right, welcome to Girlfriended. I'm Patty Lynn Wyatt and I will be your host today. And as we're talking about your it, uh, what is your divine design, where your passions are, how do you follow them, what is your calling? For those of us that are looking at life going, I've had this calling and then I've had that calling and I've gone on this. who has a passion and is following it and diving into it. And so our guest today is a historical suspense novelist who loves spinning tales that at their core hunt for beauty, even when it isn't pretty. And her book, When the Enemy Loves Someone You Love, is described as a deliciously eerie Hitchcockian story filled with love and suspense. So welcome, Jennier. How are you today? I am doing very well. Thank you very much. And Jennier, I just want to find out, uh, how long have you had this calling and this desire to write? And if you've always wanted to write, uh, what surprises you the most about being an author? Um, so I have a very strange path to becoming a writer. Um, I actually started college as a chemistry major. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, I got to the point where I didn't like labs and I was in tears, didn't know what I was going to be when I grew up. And I called my mom and she's like, do what you love. And I said, mom, and I quote in all of my 17 year old wisdom, mom, nobody gets paid to read. Um, yeah, so <laughs> um, my day job is an editor. So I am a book editor by trade, and I literally get paid to read. So yes, um, for all of you out there listening, your mom knows best. Listen to her. Um, but well, um, I've always wanted to be um, a book reviewer, you know, or a movie yeah. reviewer because you do you go, okay, well, follow your passions. And it's like, okay, I, I love to read so much. And I love even the smell of the library mm-hmm. that my, one of my best friends at one point bought me a can that you can get that has uh, the smell of books when you spray what? it. <laughs> I was like, okay, I know you know me if you can buy me a gift like that. And it's funny because I saw on your Facebook page that you have a quote, claustrophobia is the fear of closed spaces. And you have, for example, I'm on my way to the bookstore and I'm scared to death that it is closed. (laughs) Yes, especially right now because everybody has weird hours, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right. I was like kindred spirits for sure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, I, so I basically, I consider myself a shepherd of story. That's kind of what I call myself. So whether mm-hmm. it is helping other people shepherd their story into existence or whether it's me shepherding the story of my characters into existence. Um, so I see those kind of as 
dual um, parts of my calling. And really, I just see myself as somebody that wants to know truth and then pass that on, right? Mm. Um, mm. And I, I, I'm kind of a neuroscience geek. Um, probably, you know, I started school as a chemistry major. I did have interest in the science yeah. even back then. Um, and so what story does to the mind, um, so you can tell somebody like these random facts about something, um, and that it, it activates the fact collecting side of their mind, right? But when you tell somebody a story about that fact, not only does it activate the um, fact part of their mind, it also activates the experience part of their mind. So it's almost like they're taking in the facts, but they're also experiencing them for themselves. Mm. Mm. So when you tell story, you are giving somebody else empathy. You are giving them that experience for themselves. And that is one of the best ways to change a person is to have them experience it for themselves, right? So I'm like, if I want to tell people the truth and have that truth penetrate into their heart, that is the best way to do it. And in fact, Jesus did it. That's what the parables are, is they are facts delivered through story, right? So I have always loved story. And so that's kind of how I ended up being a writer. I kind of stumbled into it. I didn't really choose it, (laughs) but I do love it. It's kind of fantastic. Mm. Well, how fun. I think it would be exciting to be able to create a story. There's a couple of things in life that I, I thought would be really fun to do. I I always wanted to sing. And I think a lot of people would love that. You know, who who doesn't want to be a rock star, right? Um, right. I would love to be able to sing. <laughs> But in in eighth grade, uh, I was singing in front of the church and my brother, who's two years older, he came up to me afterwards. Now, I've been singing since I was five years old all the way up until now I'm in eighth grade. And my mom would always put me up on stage in front of church and vacation Bible school, all that. And uh, he comes up to me and he goes, you know, I don't think you should do that anymore. (laughs) Oh, ouch. (laughs) I love that, right? I, I I appreciate that when you feel like this is the route you're going and someone gives you feedback. So where do you go for feedback? Where do you, especially as you're, you're writing, do you have someone that's kind of like your lightning rod that you can go, hey, what about this idea? Or can you, can you look at this sentence? Uh, do you have someone besides just an editor that you go to? Yeah. Um, so as I was creating Shadows in the Mind's Eye, um, it was an inter- This is not my first book that I've ever written. The first novel that is being published, full-length novel that's being published. Um, but as I was honing my craft and honing this book, um, there are, I have a couple of authors. We use Marco Polo of all random social media platforms. And it's kind of like text messaging, except it's video. So I can leave a video for one of my friends um, and then they can video me back. So I will jump on and be like, you guys, I have this plot problem. Help me brainstorm it. And then my other girlfriends will jump on and like brainstorm through it. Um, One of them is in Australia. (laughs) Um, Oh, wow. Two of them are in Ohio. Um, 
you know, so they're all over the place. Um, and we do this for each other. Um, so we have kind of that kind of a platform. Um, and then I don't really have anybody that reads full manuscripts for me. Um, just because we're all very busy. We all have, we all have yeah. um, day jobs and we're all writing on deadline and that type of a thing too. But if I'm struggling with a section or um, we work with each other a lot on our summaries. Um, so getting the story uh-huh. down and put together. Um, but for the most part, yeah, it, it can be a lonely, it can be a lonely job. Um, yeah. You know, but that's, that's in some ways that's good because the, the space that you need to be able to write and to process, it's kind of a quiet space. Um, and so as an author, I take a lot of time. I read a lot of poetry um, mm. and not narrative nonfiction before I read just to get myself in the, in the place um, that creative. to be able to. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, you shared, you've been on the show before, and you talked a little bit about your own childhood trauma. You've had Mm -hmm. um, PTSD. You talk about that in your book, as well as your daughter facing PTSD. What what was your childhood trauma that, and how has that affected you now as you're writing? Do Do you put yourself in your stories? Um, yes, to a certain extent, I do put myself in, um, my stories. I can't, I, I think most authors do, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's, I use more of the emotions that come from my childhood trauma. I use some of those emotions, um, and infuse them into my characters. I don't necessarily use the circumstances, um, partly because, there are people who are still alive (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to harm those relationships any more than they've already been harmed. Um, And partly um, because those are my stories, you know, Um, and I'm not ready to fully invest in telling everybody Mm -hmm. about those um, because that opens myself up. Um, to criticism about those, and I'm not healed enough from them to um, be able to take that personal of a criticism. (laughs) And that's just knowing myself well enough, because really, not everybody is going to like my books. Not everybody's going to like Shadows in the Mind's Eye, and not everybody's going to like Sam and Annie and their little girl Rosie. And that's okay. That's as it should be. You know, not everybody likes Jane Austen, and not everybody likes C.S. Lewis. And that's, fine because that's God made us all different, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I am not in a place where I can take that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I well, may never uh, be and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. And you, through this, as you have worked through your childhood trauma and then also the trauma that happened to your daughter almost mm-hmm. dying and now she's a junior in high school and yep. um, doing, doing well. Uh, have you received EMDR? Yes. Um, so I uh, was struggling. I had dealt with um, my childhood trauma a little bit with um, just regular talk therapy because at that when I was a kid, EMDR wasn't a broadly um, applied skill yet. Um, it was actually in existence, but it wasn't being used broadly yet. Um, and then I started about 
two years after my daughter um, was in and out of the hospital, we almost lost her a couple of times. I was having flashbacks to both her mm-hmm. and my childhood. And I was having nightmares and a lot of panic attacks, um, which actually were new for me. I didn't have panic attacks mm-hmm. coming out of my childhood trauma. I, I dealt with depression. Um, but I um, was talking to a friend of mine who is a therapist and she's like, you should try the EMDR. And so I did. And um, I'll tell you, it's the most wackadoodle thing (laughs) (laughs) for anybody out there that has never done it. um, Basically it's stimulating both sides of your body, alternating on and um, it, it doesn't seem like it should work. We'll just say it that way. It doesn't seem yeah, like it yeah. work. Um, but God made our bodies in such a way that it can help um, mm-hmm. heal itself um, mm-hmm. if given the, the right opportunity and the right stimulus. And so what basically EMDR does is it um, triggers both sides of your brain to kind of, um, well, and they don't really know specifically how it works, which is another weird thing to think about. But basically they think that it just, um, realigns your brain to be able to move some of your um, unconscious reactions um, and allows those unconscious reactions to be moved back into a conscious reaction. And I know that sounds really technical, um, but uh, when you're in trauma, you just react. There's all reaction and no thought. And so it basically just helps your brain move more into the thought process rather than the reaction process. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. <laughs> yes, yes. And okay. and it is interesting because it's coming out more and more. You're hearing of mm-hmm. people that are going in for EMDR and uh I have yet to hear anything negative. I've I've mm-hmm. only heard positive. And I just think that is a great um you know, tip for people that either their loved ones are struggling with PTSD or they're struggling with, you know, in anxiety and panic. And I know we keep hearing, especially through the pandemic, that mental illness is starting to skyrocket. We've gone from 17% before the pandemic to now we're at 40% of people, of individuals with mental illness. And it's a, a lot from isolation. And like you said, it's a lonely world being an author. Uh, but leaning into some of these anxieties and, and the mm-hmm. panic attacks, uh, that there are other options besides just medication. So I think it's important to see some of these other other options. You bet. You bet. And And I will say there is a place for medication. But medication has side effects, <laughs> and that mm-hmm. and actually EMDR does too. Um, but they are um, a little bit more controllable than some of the some of the side effects from medicine. Uh, and actually, with battlefield PTSD specifically, which is what I studied for Shadows in the Mind by a lot, um, medicine is not as effective as EMDR for battlefield specific mm-hmm. PTSD, which I thought was an interesting an interesting thing. Yeah, I, I find medicine and I'm not dogging medicine because I know it's it's real and and some yeah. people um, definitely have to use that. But mm-hmm. where I struggle 
is when doctors we we know so much more now and but I I wish there was some form of insurance for the brain is being affected because we blanket this medication versus really looking at hey, this mm -hmm. part of the brain is what is lighting up. This is what's triggering it. This is what's happening yep. uh, to to give it, a, you know, a specific, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just, I wish we could do more of that research yep. before we just start throwing medicine at people. Yeah, medicine masks the symptoms rather than heals the problem mm. in a lot of ways. Um and sometimes you need the medicine in order to have the capacity to heal the problem. Um, but yeah, I, I, I tend to try to heal the problem first. Um, and that's my personal approach. Um, you know, but there is definitely those times when I'll tell you what. <laughs> you just yeah. you're so overwhelmed that that you can't deal with the core of it without those meds helping you along. Mm -hmm. So in your in your book, um, mm -hmm. you you talk about uh, one of your characters has PTSD, and yes. you acknowledge that God doesn't stop bad things from happening. And um, it, it's interesting because we hear that a lot. I work with um, young adult girls that are now out of college, but some of the issues is, uh, and we all hear this, that why doesn't God stop, you know, hunger? Why does God allow young children or anyone to, to deal yep. with rape? Why does God, you know, and, and I know I have, especially I gobble up books about world war two. Uh, I, <laughs> as I'm reading them, I can't even comprehend what people had to go through, you know, from the con yeah. concentration camps to dealing with war. And I, I look back, if I were in that period of life in that era, I'd be going, okay, God has got to return tomorrow. Cause there's no mm -hmm. way that we can deal with this kind of human pain. Um, and so within your character, how do they reconcile the hurt and the pain in their lives uh, when it comes to the, the concept of a loving God and God is a good God? Yeah, so um, there's no easy answer to that question. Um, and there's just a point where you cross over into faith. Um, and um, one of the things that, that I practice, as well as um, my characters are Sam and Annie um, in Shadows in the Mind's Eye. And one of the things that um, I practice and, they, and I've given their, them that skill is to look for the good things. Um, so you, you, you're encountering all of these horrible things, um, and yet there's always something positive going on. So I tend to do things like, um, I, well, I start my morning every morning, um, with three things of thankfulness and, um, and go through those things. My, my characters aren't quite that, <laughs> that, mm -hmm. uh, specific in it. Um, but one of the, so Sam's mom, 
her name is Debbie May, and Debbie May is uh, that kind of that little light in the in the dark places for them, pointing to the other light, um, and and showing each other, showing um, Sam and Annie the good things um, until they start looking for it for themselves, um, and that is something um, that is a foundation block to faith is looking at the right now rather than looking behind or in front, um, looking at the good things that God has given us. And that gives us the strength and the power to say, I think he knows what he's doing. I think there's a broader, a broader um, view here that I can't see. And I'll tell you what, when you're standing in the trauma, you might not see it. You know, yeah. that, that might be a place where you're like, I don't get it. I don't see it. God is, this is not working for me. Um, but as you step outside of it and look back, um, you can see it. And what I'm trying to tell you, I always have trouble with this part and answering these kinds of questions because the, the, I don't want to give away the story of shadows in the mind. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, don't give it away. Is, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't want to give it away. Um, but I will say there's always hope in my books. Um, there's always hope. I tend to write about hard things because life is hard. Um, but I also write about hope because there's always hope to be found. Yeah. Um, well, and so you look over and there is a point where the characters look back over what happened and they see that they walked through those shadows, but now they've gotten to the part that they imagined in their mind's eye, which is where the, the title comes from in their mind's eye, the good things that they, that they imagined for themselves. Um, yeah. And it just, you know, that perspective um, of choosing faith and good things is, is not only a theme in shadows in the mind's eye, but also a theme in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting when we don't see it, when we're in it, like you said too, <laughs> you have to choose faith. You have to just know yeah. Uh, um, you know, for a fact that God is a good God, because yeah. when you're in it, which you have been in it a lot in your life, uh, you, you don't see it. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes when you're in that place where you're begging God to show up, you also are treating, at least I have found, I treat other people differently. And when mm-hmm. I'm outside of it, looking in, I go, whoa, like what happened? And some of the things that came out of my mouth or the things that I said, I can't believe that I was so in that spot. And that's what's so weird. When you're in a healthy stage, you look at your wounded stage and you can't believe that you didn't Mm -hmm. see it. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I, I I think I previously told the story, um, in, in the other, um, show that I was on about um, that I had prayed a month before my daughter dropped at school, really, really sick. I had prayed for God to show me he loved me. <laughs> and for a long time, I'm like, wait, God, you showed me you loved me by making my daughter almost die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this does not compute. Um, but as I looked at it, she actually, um, the doctors missed a burst appendix. Mm. She should not have survived that. Yeah. She should not have survived. And she did. And that was God showing me that he loved me. Yeah. Yeah. And even, even that, Janair, is so hard to say because then other people who don't have that hope, they go, well, wait a minute. 
how come God showed you in that way? And, and that's why we just, we have to base it on the facts and faith that God does love you. Uh, We we only have a a few more minutes here. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, as you're getting into, you know, these characters, um, especially with some of the things that you have shared and the dark places that, um, you know, you've struggled with, does it put you into those dark places (laughs) uh, as you are writing? We only have about three minutes. So I know that's a, that's a deep big question. It's like, so I can, um, no, that's okay. I can answer it with one word if necessary. (laughs) Yes. Um, yes, it does. And I will tell you, it is a really, really hard thing. Um, it's really hard and it's scary. And sometimes I ask God to let this cut pass from me. Um, but I think God has given me experiences in order for me to share the truth that I find in them. and so in some ways, it, um, writing about it um, helps me heal in some ways because it gives purpose to the things that I've gone through. Um, and, and I don't say that as a, oh, yeah, I'd go experience those things again just so I can write. <laughs> Please hear yeah. me. I would choose not yeah. to. Um, if I'm being honest, I would choose not to go through those things. Um, but because um, I have been given those things, then I need to be faithful in that too. Um, Laura's story has a song called blessings and it's basically, you know, um, what if God's blessings are shown through, you know, all of my tears and the darkness and the sleepless nights? And what if those are, what if those are God's blessings in disguise? Mm. Um, and so that kind of how I view this is, those hard things are a way that God has shown me a different path, that God has shown me um, compassion for other people, um, mm-hmm. that God has given me those gifts um, of patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Um, and those are the gifts that I have been given through these difficult times. Um, and who am I to not pass those on? Mm-hmm. And and uh, what what a beautiful mindset uh, to think of it that way. And I would assume that going into these dark places are also therapeutic. Like you're able to mm-hmm. dig deep into your own um, situations and kind of pull that out and go, okay, God, I surrender this part over and yep. pull another part out and go, whoa, where did that come from? And yep. uh, going through that and also being able to share that with others and ex- expose that. Uh, so I, we are, have come to an end and what an honor, Janair, to have you on the show and go out there and run and get her book. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Girlfriend It, because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.